0: Morning and welcome to Soul City Church. How are you doing? Eleven o'clock. Oh, I like it. I like it. That's that's you are here. That is awesome. We recognize you. Uh, it is good to be with you. Those of you who are watching online all over the world right now, I'm so glad that you're tuning in right now. Uh, this is an exciting time, exciting time of year, exciting time of year for our church. We are very very excited for what we're going to celebrate today as we celebrate baptism and what transformation looks like in public. And some of you may have showed up for church today and didn't even know that you are going to be getting baptized today. It's an exciting celebration in response to Jesus. We're kicking off a brand new teaching series today, actually, called Giving Up on Christmas. And we're going to be looking at the things that we keep holding on to at Christmas that keep holding us back. The things that we are holding on to that are holding us back from really experiencing all of Christmas, from receiving all that God actually has for us this Christmas. And I don't know about you, but there are lots of things we hold on to around Christmas time. Uh, we hold on to traditions, things that kind of give us meaning and mark the moment and mark the season. Our family has a bunch of traditions. I don't know what yours For us, we have a little Advent board that we keep in our house, and every day has a little pouch with a little verse and a little, you know, thing for the kids in there to open up a little candy or something like that, get them candy right before school. And so we're great parents. And so, you know, we have that moment that we do, and they anticipate that. You know, we have our little tradition every—the week right before Christmas, we— Do the horse drawn carriage up uh, Michigan Avenue and look at all the lights. I don't know if you've ever done that. It's an awesome touristy thing to do, even if you've lived in Chicago forever. We do that. One of our most sacred and holy traditions that we keep every Christmas that kind of holds Christmas together for us is our annual viewing of the movie Elf. We believe that that's a sacred experience. And so we don't, it's really not Christmas until you've watched Elf. And so we have all of our traditions that we hold on to that give this moment, this season, meaning. But did you know that there's also things that each of us are holding on to that are actually holding us back this Christmas? There's things that you are holding on to, that I am holding on to in our lives that are actually holding you back. And this time of year, they can be things like fear. Maybe you're holding on to fear this Christmas season. Maybe as you think about a new year in 2018 and look ahead, there's the first thing that rises up in you is fear fear of an unknowable or uncontrollable future. Maybe there's a a job transition, a move coming your way this next year. And so you're walking into this Christmas season holding on to a lot of fear. Or maybe for you, what you're holding on to is regret. Maybe you're not so much worried by looking ahead. You're looking back on your life and you've been holding on to regrets. You keep kind of rehashing and rehearsing things that you've done in the past. And you've been carrying them so long you can't even imagine your life without these regrets. Maybe for you, uh, this Christmas, what you're holding on to is overcommitment. Maybe you are just, you, it's like the beginning of December and your month is already all booked. You've got all the parties and all the travel and you know they, they can feel overwhelming and you can even get kind of resentful to all the parties you have to go to at Christmas time. You're just kind of holding on. You're walking through that season kind of white-knuckling it going through. Maybe for you, it's the, stress or anxiety you feel around giving gifts. Like you feel like you have to do it perfect or there's so many people you have to give gifts to, nieces and nephews that you thought you didn't have to give gifts to, but then your brother or sister does, so now you have to. Like, you know, you can feel a lot of stress and anxiety around something that's supposed to be so meaningful, like giving a gift to someone. In fact, last year, uh, these uh, uh, folks were studying our anxiety levels at Christmas and in London, they ran a study of Christmas shoppers. And they outfitted them with heart monitors, and they gave them big old question. I know, that's already a setup. And they gave them a big old questionnaire to fill out afterwards, and here's what they found. Over four hours of Christmas shopping, it's just a four-hour run of doing Christmas shopping, they noticed that people's heart rate went up 33%. Their heart was beating 33% faster. Now, context, what what does that even mean? Well, here's something that it's equivalent to. It's the same increase that your heart goes through when you run a marathon. (laughs) That's how it can feel sometimes, just shopping for presents. And so the question we want to ask and we want to consider over these next couple weeks with all that we're holding on to this Christmas is what is it that you're holding on to? What are you holding on to that's holding you back? What are the things that you're holding on to this Christmas that are actually holding you back? If you were to be really honest with them, you walked in these doors holding on to them. You may have been holding on to them for years. Is it possible that they're actually holding you back? And would you be willing this Christmas, would you be willing today to let go of them, to release them, to let them go so that you can actually receive all that God has for you, that you can receive the gift of new life that is at the very center, the very heart of Christmas. Now, as I said, I love this time of year, and we love uh, gift-giving in our family. We, we love giving gifts to each other. I think what we love more about it is the creativity behind it. We get more and more kind of creative with our gifts. And so each year, we try and figure out how we can do it. And like each year for me, I get creative with how I wrap Jeannie's presents And I'll wrap them all kinds of different ways, wrap them in different things, do little designs on them. Most of that's because I am terrible at wrapping presents, literally terrible at it. So I have to get creative and find new ways to do it just to mask my insecurities and inadequacies. But the point is we get creative with our gifts with our kids. And a couple years ago, uh, they really wanted something that we really wanted to get for them. But we had some hesitancy. We were kind of holding on to some, you know, fear about it and uncertainty about it. The thing they really, really wanted was a puppy. And we'd had a dog for many years, a great dog. She died a couple years before. And we kind of thought, you know what? We can check the dog box off. Like, we did the dog thing. We're good. But they would not stop. They were relentless. They formed all kinds of campaigns and coalitions to convince us <laughs> to get them a puppy. And so because we love being creative and giving gifts that express love, we thought, okay, okay, let's explore this. And so Gene and I did a bunch of research, and months before Christmas, we kind of figured out what kind of dog we'd want, how we'd do it. And then what our kids didn't know is that we went on a trip to go pick out the dog, drove downstate Illinois to pick the dog, meet the dog, spent like 20 minutes with it, and then drove all the way back up. Then we had to go back down and pick up the puppy, but you can't pick him up on Christmas morning, and so you had to pick them up a couple days before Christmas. So we picked up the puppy and drove the puppy all the way back up, but our kids had no idea. And then we had to figure out what to do with the puppy for a couple days before Christmas. So we asked some friends of ours, do you mind watching our brand new puppy? It's never even been in our home. We've only spent about 20 minutes with it, but will you take care of it for the next couple days? These are good friends. They did, and they actually brought Moses over, our little puppy over, on Christmas morning, so that we could give our kids the gift of a dog. And in fact, we captured it on film. Check this out. You
1: want to open this
0: one? Should we start with this one? All right. What is it, mommy? Get down on the floor. This is one that I thought you guys would
1: really, really like. The puppy. He knew. He knew. Who is it? The (laughs) puppy.
0: <laughs> Can you believe it, Bog? <laughs> Guys, it's Moses. His name is Moses, and he's our new
1: pup. Oh, gee. <laughs> oh, gee. M-Q. Are you speechless? You don't have words, do you? <laughs> oh,
0: my gosh. Is he cute? Look at—he's been waiting to come see Look you guys. He didn't want to get down in his box. <laughs> get the he wants to get out and get into the party. Come on now, guys. All right, there you go. Got to end with the obligatory cute shot there. Oh, uh, it was so fun for us to do that because you know what that's like to give a gift to someone that you love when you really know them and you want to express that love in a way that that would be really meaningful. Uh, to them, you you plan for it, don't you? Like you think about it ahead of time. You get creative with it. You find it, and then you have to hide it. You keep it secret, right? Then you wrap it in secret. Then you put it under the tree, and you hope they don't figure out what it is. And all this anticipation that builds towards Christmas moment—it's a—it is a beautiful thing to give gifts like that. And the same thing that you and I actually love to do is actually true of God, and what He loves to do for you. God loves giving gifts. He loves giving gifts. In fact, he is a gift-giving God. And the greatest gift that he has ever given us is his son, Jesus. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, the gift of God giving us his son, Jesus. And just like you get creative and just like you spend time thinking about it and preparing it and knowing about it before anyone else does, that's the same story as the story of Jesus. God had been planning for thousands of years to give us the gift of his son, Jesus. And in fact, the gift of Jesus is actually wrapped in all the context of the Old Testament. All the stories and characters of the Old Testament are like the wrapping paper that wrap up the gift of Jesus. And all along the way, as God was preparing this perfect gift for the perfect moment just for you, there were people along the way who kept telling the world what God was doing. Over time, it became one of the worst-kept secrets in human history that God was going to redeem the world through his son, Jesus. In the Old Testament, they're called prophets. And the prophets were people who spoke uh, on God's behalf to God's people. And what the prophets kept saying is God's going to give a gift. God's preparing a gift. God's day of giving his perfect gift to you is coming. And in fact, again and again and again, hundreds and hundreds of prophecies saying God's perfect gift is coming for you. It's like they were ruining the whole surprise. You ever have that happen on Christmas morning where maybe you got your spouse a gift and you told your kids what it was, or your parents told you what it was, and before your mom could even open it, you say, it's a robe, or it's slippers, or whatever, you know, and you kind of kill the whole vibe right there in that moment. Happened to me at a friend's birthday party. I was, I was much younger, by nine, ten years old, and I was really excited because I saved up my own money to buy my friend, my best friend, a Nerf football, like the old blue and green one. It was so cool, and I was so proud of it. And so right before he opened it, I tell another friend of mine, hey, I got him a Nerf football. You know, like basically, I'm a better friend than you, and I kind of laid that out. And right as my friend goes to open the gift, this other guy over here says, "It's a football," and just killed the whole moment right there. And I was really like hurt and angry. I'm like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I didn't tell him it was a Nerf." So like that, thanks, dude. And so that's what the prophets throughout the Old Testament did. They kept saying, "It's a football. It's a football." There's a Savior coming. There's a Savior coming. And in fact, I want you to look at one of the prophecies found in the Old Testament about the gift of Jesus. And I want you to look at how it describes not only who Jesus is, but who God is, this gift giving God. So if you have a Bible, grab it and turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. If you have a Bible with you, great. Got it on your phone, fantastic. If not, there should be a Bible under your seat or under the seat in front of you. Grab that. And you can actually turn to page 560 in the Soul City Bible. I want you to grab it and look at it because I want you to get something about the heart of God. Turn to page 560 in the Soul City Bible, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Some context. Uh, It's hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. And for thousands of years, God had been preparing a way to save us from our sin, to make a way into relationship with him. And the prophet Isaiah, who has several prophecies about Jesus coming, saying about the gift that God is going to give, has this to say in Isaiah 9. Verse 6, and I want you to look at the language. For to us, look at the direction there. For to us, unto us, maybe you heard it before. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is what? A son is given. You see it right there. To us, God initiates. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And he goes on to say, the government will be on his shoulders. He will rule rightly. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Hundreds of years before the gift of Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas, Isaiah was saying, we have a gift-giving God. And he's preparing the perfect gift to give to you. Gift-giving is in the very nature of God. Because God is love, and perhaps you've heard that before, or you've experienced that before. God is love, and one of the greatest expressions of love is to give. So, one of the greatest expressions of love is to give. That's what love does. Love gives. It doesn't take. It gives, and that's what we see in the very heart of God. Love. Gives. That's why you go through all the craziness of Christmas is because you actually love the people you're getting those gifts for. That's an expression of love giving. You're thinking of them, you're caring about them, and so you give to them. That is what love does. Now, you can give without love. You can give without love. We call that obligation. You can give without love. We call that obligation. And over time, it becomes resentment. You can give to lots of things without loving them. Think about it, you already do. You can give to a job. You can give your time and your energy, the best parts of yourself to a job that you don't love, but you're giving yourself to it nonetheless. You can give your money to the government through taxes. And my hunch is you're not like, yippee, like you don't love giving that money, right? But we give even without love, and that's called obligation. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You cannot love without giving, without its finding, its expression through giving. This is why hundreds of years after the prophet Isaiah, another one would come who experienced Jesus in the flesh, personally, face to face. One of his disciples, John, would say these words, about who Jesus is, and again, who God is, this gift-giving God. John 3.16, a verse you may be familiar with, says this, For God so what? God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will actually have eternal life. God so loves, so God gives, because that's just who he is, love gives. Jesus is God's perfect gift of love to us. But if you're ever going to receive his gift of love, you're going to have to recognize and even reconcile what it is that you're currently holding on to. Tell me if this looks familiar to you. Anyone do this lately, <laughs> around Christmas time, where you're just burdened down with shopping for them? Oh, I gotta get them gifts. I gotta get them gifts. I gotta go to the mall. I gotta get them gifts. Why didn't we order online? Like you can just go nuts carrying. I love these people. I just love these people. And so you like you're giving them like. And if you ever had that where you're carrying so many bags, you're like this counts as a workout today. Like this is so familiar to us at Christmas time, isn't it? Just being burdened down with all the gifts of expressions of love that can feel like a burden at times. And I would say that this isn't just a picture of Christmas. This is a picture of our everyday life. So many of us, so burdened by things you were never meant to hold on to. They were never meant to be yours. But you've been holding on to them for so long. You don't really know life without them. So then when it comes to this perfect gift of Jesus that God prepared for thousands of years for you to come at the perfect time, just exactly what you need, a perfect expression of a gift giving God how possible is it to grab this gift while you're holding on to all these other things, it just doesn't work what you have to do, what I have to do is let go I have to let go of all the things that I've been holding on to for whatever reason so that I can actually receive, pick up the gift, God's perfect gift of love in Jesus. What is it that you are holding on to right now this Christmas season? Maybe you are holding on to control you just want to do it your way and you want to have it on your terms and you're just so holding like just you're held back because you're holding on to control so hard in your life maybe you're holding on to old patterns old ways and sure you want Jesus as a part of your life but you don't want to give up these old ways because they're so familiar and they've worked basically this far for you are you willing to actually let them go Are you willing to let go of resentments that you have from things in your past, relationships, ways that people hurt you, legitimately hurt you, and you just keep opening up that wound? Are you willing to let that go and say, this is a far better gift, and maybe what God has in here for me can help heal these resentments from my past Maybe you're holding on to fear. Maybe you're holding on to stress, anxiety, resentment, regret. I don't know what it is that you're holding on to, but all of us are holding on to something. And the challenge this Christmas for you, for me, is letting go, is trusting what Jesus actually said that we can lay all of our burdens down at His feet because His way is light. His way actually gives life. You cannot, you just simply, you've got to let go of whatever it is that you are holding on to so that you can actually receive all that God has for you. And you can't kind of like halfway it. That's just not how it works with God. All right, I'm just going to kind of get these things and I'm going to see if I can get this too. You have to be willing to let go of it all. You have to let go of all that you're holding on to to receive all that God has for you. And that's my hope for you this Christmas. That's our hope for you today, is that you would let it go, let it fall at God's feet so you can receive the life-saving, life-changing, life-giving gift of Jesus. And today what we're going to do is we're going to get a picture of what that looks like. People who've said, I'm just going to let go. I'm going to let go of all these things that I've been holding on to, white-knuckling for so long. I'm going to let them go so that I can actually receive the gift of Jesus. You're going to see that in real time through baptism. And because there's lots of people get baptized, you don't get to hear all of their amazing stories of letting go and, and then receiving the gift of Jesus I actually want you to hear just one story of someone who's been baptized at our church, and he's a friend of mine, and his name's Jim, and maybe his story uh, might connect to yours. So go ahead and check out Jim's story.
1: So I was born and raised in a big Catholic family in St. Louis. I went to church every week as a kid, and as I got a little older and I got my driver's license and went to college, my attendance at church started to dwindle. I think I carried a lot of confusion as to what being a Catholic really meant, and I had a lot of confusion about my faith. That isn't to say that the Catholic Church doesn't hold a special place in my heart. I met my wife um, actually in the Catholic Church, but even through our marriage, despite having our kids baptized there and us being married in the Catholic Church where we actually met. My faith and my connection to to God and Jesus felt like it was missing something. In 2014, I met Jeannie Stevens in a small group outside of Soul City. I remember meeting her and being really, really inspired. Uh, I was at a point in my life where I had taken a one-year sabbatical from my job in the finance industry. Uh, I was searching for meaning, I guess, for purpose. and. My first experience of Jeannie was a person who just was filled with purpose. So my wife Donna and I became friends with Jeannie and Jarrett, and we started coming to Soul City in early 2015. About a year after I met Jeannie, I asked her to go to lunch one day to talk about Jesus. Uh, I had a good connection, I felt, to God, and I felt a good connection to the Holy Spirit. But I, I always felt a little confused about the role Jesus played in my life. So we went to lunch one day and Jeannie drew all over a table in the West Loop at lunch. And I think it was the idea that Jesus was the human manifestation of God on earth. He was a a human version of perfection, of God's perfection walking on planet earth, living a sinless life. And his life could serve as a role model for me and how I can live my life. That was really, to me, the start of a better understanding of the life of Christ and what the role that he was going to start playing in my life. So we came on Baptism Sunday, and it wasn't our first time here on Baptism Sunday, but something about Jarrett's words on stage that day that really, really started to tug at my heart, and I could, start to, I could start to feel my body. I could feel my heart race. I could feel like God was talking to me. I could feel my mind cutting in and my ego really starting to say, it was giving me all sorts of excuses on why today wasn't the right time. You should plan, other people should be here, there should be more preparation to get ready to do something so big. Um, And I just remember Jarrett sitting up there basically giving an answer to every question that I was raising in my head, trying to stop from doing it, and Jarrett had the answer I finally, you know, the word that really overcame me that day was surrender. Just let go and let God, you know, have his plan for me that day. It felt like God's voice was in my in my head and in my heart saying, this is the time. I felt God's presence in Jeannie's voice and her words that day. You know, and the words that really stuck with me were that in all my imperfection, and all the times of shame and doubt and self-judgment that, you know, God's been holding me and God sees the perfection in all my imperfection. And I remember being laid down into the water and coming back up and feeling like, you know, if I carried shame for whatever, it was as if that water just washed all the shame off me. It's been profoundly different since the baptism. Often now I feel the presence of Jesus talking to me. There's something that pauses me now that says, what would Jesus do? And having that connection to him and having his voice coming through me, speaking to me more regularly is, is just leading me into a more fulfilling life. My name is Jim, and this is what transformation looks like in public.
0: Isn't that a cool story? And I tell you, we were texting with Jim back and forth this week, saying so we're going to share your story again. He would tell you he's not a perfect person, far from it, but he's someone who is finally willing to let go and to keep letting go of the things that were holding him back from having a relationship with Jesus, shame, guilt, obligation. And I wonder today if, if you would be willing to do the same, if you'd be willing to say, I, I, I don't even know why I'm holding on to these things anymore. I don't even know what good these things are for me anymore. I actually want to have the life that God promised me through Jesus, through his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection that he made away from me. Why would I continue holding on to all of this any longer? And so, in a moment, we're going to celebrate baptism. And it's a beautiful picture given to us in the Bible. Jesus himself was baptized. It's this picture of an old life being buried, just like Jesus was buried after his crucifixion, and then being raised into a new life. It's like you are letting go of an old life and then holding on to receiving new life in him. And baptism is for anyone who has said yes to Jesus. If you have said yes to that way, yes to Jesus as the leader of my life, but you've yet to say yes to baptism, then I would say to you, what are you waiting for? Now, a couple of logistics on baptism. Again, in a moment, we're going to invite anyone and everyone who wants to be baptized to get up and go to the back and get baptized today. But let me just say a few words about the logistics. First, maybe uh, you're wondering like, is this something special about this water, something magical about the water? Is it like holy water Uh, To be really clear, we don't fly the water in from Rome. We don't like pull it from the River Jordan and ship it here. This is Lake Michigan water. So as we say, pray for the people getting in it. God only knows what's in it. It's just normal water. It's an image. It's a metaphor. It's a picture. And maybe for you, you're like, I want to do this, but I was baptized as an infant, you know, and, and my parents did that for me, and I don't really, like, I don't want to offend them, or I don't want to kind of mess with that. And what I would say to you is that's a beautiful intention that your parents had, you had zero say in it. If you were baptized as an infant, you had zero say in that. Their intention was that one day you would say yes to Jesus. And so if anything, this is the completion of their intention. What a beautiful and powerful thing to say, I have chosen what you longed for me to choose so long ago. And so what, the way it works is this. We'll, we'll dismiss anyone who wants to get baptized to go to the back. And our baptism team has been praying and preparing for you for this moment. They have everything you need, literally everything, shorts, T-shirts, deodorant, hair products, underwear. I don't even, it's probably Soul City branded underwear, but we got it back there for you. Anything and everything in every size, imaginable. We've got it all because we don't want anyone to miss the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. to let go of what's been holding them back. And maybe even as I'm talking, your heart is beating a little faster, maybe 33% faster right now. And you're wondering, should I do this? And there's fear rising up in you. Or maybe there's even a little pride rising up in you. Like, I don't want to get up in front of everyone and do that. Or I don't want to kind of be on stage or in these tanks. Or maybe I'll just do it later. Here's my encouragement to you. Let that go. It is of no service to you. Let that go and trust that this doesn't have to be some perfect moment. Like in Jim's stories, like, I don't know, is, is this a perfect moment? Maybe I'm supposed to have more people here. I don't, should there be an Evite involved? I'm not exactly sure. And you can get all in your head about this being a perfect moment and miss this present moment. I don't want you to miss this present moment. If you've said yes to Jesus, or as we're about to in a second, if you want to say yes to Jesus and have yet to say yes to baptism, today is your day. Today is your day. And when you go back in a moment, I'm going to encourage you to take a friend or a spouse or a family member with you, and they're going to stand in loving support of you and be there for you right when you get out of the water. It's a beautiful celebration. So in a moment, you, even, like, you can grab a buddy and say, we're doing this. And you go to the back and you do it. Last service, was a powerful expression of transformation. And I don't want you to miss it today. So here's what I am ask you to do: stand up if you would right now, here and in the balcony. Stand up. It's not it's like just stand up. It's not a trick. Everyone doesn't mean you have to get baptized if you stand up. Just stand up. Now you're y'all a little tense about this. Don't worry, we're not gonna dump water from the ceiling. So Here's the deal. I'm going to pray, and when I pray, I'm going to say amen. And when I say amen, if today is your day and you want to say yes to baptism, then you go straight out the back doors. Lobby, go straight out those back doors, right towards the back. Really, don't miss this. Just because you're up in the lobby doesn't mean this isn't for you. Don't be a spectator today. Be a participant. Grab the person or people that you want to go back with you, and we will get you in the water, and we will celebrate this new life, the gift of Jesus. That's at the heart of Christmas. So I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to ask you, if you would, to close your eyes and open up your hands, open up your heart, whatever you need to do to be present with God right now. And I just want to say, God, I know I can't even possibly name all of the things that we're holding on to. God, I know how quickly I can hold on to shame, how quickly I can hold on to insecurity, how quickly, God, I can hold on to judgment. And those things have yet to lead me to real life. And here for thousands of years at the center of human history is the gift that actually does. Your son, Jesus. And you lovingly prepared it all for us. And at the perfect time, in your own perfect way, you gave us the gift that leads to life. Thank you, God, that you are a gift-giving, loving God. And thank you for the gift of Jesus. And I just want to say a prayer for anyone right now who has yet to say yes to Jesus. Would you be willing to just let go today and in your own words, repeat this prayer after me. You can just repeat this prayer right after me and say yes to Jesus today. Jesus, I'm saying yes to you. I'm letting go of my old life. I'm letting go of my old ways. Forgive me. Heal me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Give me the hope that you promised. Give me the peace that you promised. Give me the power that you promised. And give me the life that you promised and made available through your son, Jesus. Jesus, I say yes to you today. And God, we celebrate every single person who is saying yes to you right now in this moment. What a beautiful, powerful way to walk into Christmas by saying yes to the gift at the center of it all. And Jesus, I pray that this would be a moment of celebration, not obligation, not any sort of form of fear, but of celebration and freedom right now. And God, I pray that we would see as folks come out of the water that new life, is possible in you, that transformation is what you're up to. And so, God, I pray for every single person who needs to say yes to you today to do so right now in this moment. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Today is your day to get baptized. Head on back to the back. We're going to celebrate you in the lobby. Head straight out to the back, and we want to baptize you today.